0: this is not a new fad it's actually going back to the basics or so back to the future uh, and, and saying ABM is B2B marketing buyer behavior isn't the same and the old sales funnel is no longer relevant so square Two marketing is smashing the funnel and encouraging businesses to think differently about their approach to marketing sales customer service, and revenue generation. Join us for season one of Smash the Funnel, the podcast. With our amazing lineup of industry experts, we'll introduce you to the new cyclonic buyer journey, and we'll provide insights and tips on how to optimize your business's approach to sales and marketing. And now for your host, Mike Lieberman, CEO and Chief Revenue Scientist at Square Two Marketing.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode two of Smash the Funnel, the podcast. We have a great episode here titled, What the Heck is Pre-Awareness? And I'm super excited to be joined by Sangram Vajray, co-founder at Terminus. So welcome to episode two. In the last episode, we kicked off the season uh, talking about how the podcast that we're creating today is really designed to help our listeners and help marketing and salespeople understand how dramatically different the buyer journey is. And our mission is to really help our listeners embrace this new way to think about how prospects make purchase decisions and how you should be thinking about driving revenue for your company and how this concept of the new cyclonic buyer journey is really going to give you the map for both understanding the journey, building the appropriate tactics associated with it, tracking the right metrics and applying technology in a really smart way. So today we're going to talk to Sangram Vajray from Terminus about a little-known stage in the buyer journey that we like to call pre-awareness. Now for those of you who don't know, I don't want you to get kind of crazy about the name. I know some people kind of embrace the idea that this is their stage prior to awareness. We really feel strongly that this is a very important stage that we need to address. These are the people who need what you do. They're going to be really good profile prospects for what you do, but they're not actively looking for you yet, and we want to find a way to find uh, some tools and techniques to get them to engage. So Sagram, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us.
0: Man, I am pumped. I love the style that you guys are coming up. I I love that people can bench listen the whole thing and get a full view of it. That's pretty smart.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much. We're excited too, and really looking forward to getting season one of Smash the final the podcast out there, and you're going to be a big part in making this first season a really great season. So let's get into it. Um, so tell us a little bit about you and your background. How did you end up starting Terminus? And tell us a little bit about what Terminus does to give our listeners a nice context for our conversation.
0: Absolutely. I guess the most recent fact uh, in line with all of this was I ran marketing at Pardot, and as most people nice. probably know, Pardot went through the acquisition of Exact Target and then uh, exact target within 6 months of that got acquired by salesforce for 2.5 billion dollars so that was one of the biggest uh, uh, history saas acquisition that happened so it was pretty awesome to be part of and i spent a couple of years at salesforce uh, and part of it is based in in atlanta so being here in atlanta obviously after a couple of years my choices were either i go and join the mothership and be part of the salesforce main marketing organization which means moving to san francisco or uh, as my wife put it, that you stay here and and we love Atlanta, so we we go to
1: work for Coke, right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> those kind of things. Yeah. So uh, so it was pretty pretty you know pretty clear to me. And at that time, we had our our daughter born, so I have two kids. Uh, and Kiara, Kiara was born literally a month before I start you know joined Terminus as a co-founder, and and really it was the problem that I faced throughout my marketing career, Mike. Uh, I mean, it, it was really Pretty crazy that no matter what happened and I hope you and the audience um, can probably appreciate that is no matter how amazing job uh, that I did as a marketer in any organization I was I always felt this that every time the sales numbers are going up marketing gets more budget and headcount and every time the sales numbers are going down marketing budget and headcount gets cut I mean does that
1: almost like opposite right shouldn't it be the other way
0: around It's just crazy right so to to me that was the problem that I was trying to to solve and that led to Terminus Um, So for those of you who don't know Terminus we are an account based marketing platform Which now is a buzzword, but two and a half years ago. That's how we started three years ago That's what we started off with, uh, and, and all we do at Terminus today is really build a platform where it's the easiest way to do targeted account-based advertising and look at the analytics behind every single account that you're targeting with your salesperson so you know exactly how much money you're spending and what, is in, what kind of engagement are you getting from the accounts that your salespeople are working on. And through that journey, I uh, ended up writing, three years ago, the, the very first book on account-based marketing that Wiley's published, so people can check that out on Amazon. Uh, and started this uh, Flip My Funnel movement that I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit.
1: Awesome. That's great. So I'm really excited to hear you talk kind of about the the science of account-based marketing, the science of marketing. We're big believers here at Square Two that a lot of what we do today is way more science than art. You know, I kind of came up in marketing, working marketing for a software company. And back in the day, it was a lot about more about art, you know, like uh, no one really knew exactly what was working. You just kind of knew you had to do these different things and today we're we're very leaning in very heavily to the science of marketing the science of revenue generation so i'm really excited to hear you talk about the metrics associated with the abm campaign and and abm tools so let's talk at a macro level tell me what you see going on in the world that's affecting the buyer journey both from a sales and a marketing perspective or maybe even revenue generation in general like what are some of those Macroeconomic factors that are making it more difficult for us as marketers to drive revenue for our companies
0: You know that 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 brings me to this this idea that I've been thinking about which is at the macro level It feels like in the b2b marketing space every five years something new happens So if you go back and look at 2000 email marketing was at you know Had its best days where 80 90% open rates and people loved email marketing exact targets of the world and others were, were born and five years later 2005 marketing automation was born and it was born simply from the fact that oh we can send emails why not capture those leads and 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 give it to the sales team and that's where eloquent marketo and pardot content marketing inbound all of them came to life you fast forward five more years 2010 Predictive came to life and and the whole point of predictive was like sales selling marketers You're giving me too many crappy leads. I need the I need the right kind of lead so I can drive revenue and marketing has got so good at content marketing through marketing automation by sending emails and e- ebooks and webinars that Lead generation has never been a problem lately for for marketers or especially crappy lead generation has never been a problem for marketers. So it led to sales saying, this is too much. And predictive said, you know what? We're going to help solve this problem. We're going to tell which leads we predict are going to be a good uh, lead for your sales team. And then you fast forward five more years, Mike, Uh, account-based marketing came about and said, that, wait a minute, from last decade and a half, we've been trying to solve the same problem, but all we have done is created more tools and less strategy so I guess the biggest macro level conversation, if, if people want to kind of take a step back and think about it, is that email marketing, marketing automation, predictive, and all the technologies are all tools and tactics that people have been doing. ABM, the reason it's hot, and if people are still thinking, well, that's just a, a buzzword. Well, ABM is a strategy, and, and I would submit that ABM is B2B marketing. So that's the big difference at the macro level that I feel people need to get a grip on is this is not a new fad. It's actually going back to the basics or back to the future and and saying ABM is B2B marketing.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I love your emphasis on strategy. I mean, we see way too many clients who bring us in to have us help them and we're assessing what they've been doing and it's really all about the tactics and nothing about the strategy they haven't really thought through how they want to engage with their prospects they haven't really thought through what they want to say to them or how they're going to kind of bring them along in that in the buyer journey they just know that they want to throw this new tool at it or throw this new tactic at it and i think they really need to take a step back and think a little more strategically about how they're going to engage with those prospects i know when you're talking about account-based marketing, that engagement conversation is super important because these people don't know you yet, right? So what you say to them at that early stage is gonna be really important. The other thing that's interesting about what you said is we kind of had a similar progression, but on a slightly different path. For for example, when we kind of ran into HubSpot back in like the late 2008 or nine, you know, we really felt like inbound was gonna be you know, it, like it was really going to change everything. I think HubSpot thought it was going to be change everything also. And as we got into it, you know, we started notice a trend, you know, people didn't always want to wait for inbound to work and pure inbound, like took a little longer than maybe everyone told everyone else it was going to take. And, and I even think HubSpot started recognizing that because they started to embrace paid advertising and now they embrace ABM. And I actually think that was smart to look at a more of a portfolio approach than a pure you know be there when someone's looking for you like it's fine but it's just not as comprehensive as probably it could be um, and that you know even inbound itself is kind of lost a little bit of its luster and and now it's kind of this more you know strategic and kind of all-encompassing approach to you know how do you get people interested in what you're trying to talk about so i think that that uh, progression that evolution is really interesting um, yeah.
0: Uh, you know so, yeah, that point, uh mike i think they're even inbound is calling it now growth uh yes gone. yes yes right and what's interesting is inbound uh, is an investor in terminus uh which makes it super interesting so obviously we have integration with hubspot uh but but hubspot is a investor in terminus and and we we had numerous conversations as organizations like they'd look at inbound HubSpot and Inbound, as obviously they led the category and they did all that stuff. Uh, They look at Terminus, you know, investing in Flip My Funnel and building a community very similarly. So from the core value perspective of building a community and making sure that there's a whole bunch of people agreeing and understanding that there is a problem and they may or may not be the solution, but building a community has been a very core focus of both HubSpot and Terminus. So there's some common wavelengths, but I agree that... You know, inbound seemed to be the answer and now it is like, well, not all because at the same time inbound was going up. If if people take the time and went back, the number of companies hiring sales development was at the peak at it, almost every single company, which means, oh, we are high, we're looking for inbound, but we're also having the same number or higher number of salespeople to offset the outbound so that they can get to the number from a revenue perspective. So I think marketers in general pretty much ignored this sales trend happening, uh, and now it's catching up to everybody.
1: Yeah, I agree completely, and, and I also love, what I love most about account-based marketing is it, it almost strategically forces sales and marketing alignment, okay. whereas a lot of those kind of pure inbound tactics, marketing could still do without sales involvement. They could still generate the lead and throw it over the fence and have sales try to pick it up, and we know that's not the best or optimal way to handle it, so one of the, th- and when we talk to clients, I, I just love how marketing and sales have to work together around ABM. So that's kind of what that's one of the things that we are most excited about ABM is the opportunity to align those things. Let's move on a little bit and talk about this pre-awareness stage, right? Like who am I to come up with this crazy new stage that no one's ever talked about, but the fact of the matter is companies are good at identifying targets that they want to do business with. They've been doing it for years and years and years. I used to work for Dunn and and Xerox, two of the most aggressively sales oriented companies on the planet. And they did strategic account planning to, to go after specific businesses. And, you know, they did it with brute force and with sales resources. And now we're talking about kind of marrying some of the marketing execution with some similar sales execution. But this isn't really that much different than what sales has been doing for years and years and years. We're just now applying some marketing, aligning marketing and giving them some methodology and some tools associated with it. but. The fact of the matter is there are people that should be doing business with you. You can identify who those people are and you can create some really compelling stories and outreach and content that sales can take out to them and and marketing can kind of support too. So tell us a little bit about your perspective on this pre-awareness stage and going after people that aren't actively involved in any kind of buyer journey yet.
0: So let's just open up with one question there. And then I would love to dive into this one. You know, if, if you're a marketer listening to the podcast and Mike, I'm going to put you on the spot uh, on this one to just like, what is the title of your sales rep?
1: Well, my sales rep's title is sales guide. Right. I want them to guide our prospects through the decision-making process and through their buyer journey. Right. Just like, and that's what I tell my reps, like, look, if you were taking someone on a on a hike up to the top of Mount Everest like that is a treacherous journey and you have to be the expert to make sure they don't step on this hole or fall in this crevice or eat their food too quickly or not bring up enough oxygen and and I think the buyer journey is very complicated and there's lots of places to make mistakes so I want our salespeople to think about the experience they're creating as a guided one so that's how we look at it
0: I love that and and I think you are way ahead of the curve because in most organizations that I know, that I talked to on a daily basis, the title of the salesperson is typically an account executive. If you're not an SDR, with a sales development rep, if you are closing deals, and, and being a guide in the sales process, you're typically an account executive, which is a kind of ding, 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 Salespeople have been working on accounts to your point from the beginning of time, like you know, in B2B, that's in their title. It says account executive. So marketing giving them leads for the last decade and a half hasn't really helped, and that's where the divide is. So when we talk about sales and marketing alignment and love, when you said that hey, it actually forces sales and marketing to work together. Well, that's because sales always understood that they close accounts, not leads. Right. Uh, leads are part of the accounts not not by itself so that's that's one and I, I think that would hopefully drive the home that marketing needs to get up to speed not sales uh, and I'm a marketer so nothing is it's like something that I'm responsible for myself and two I feel the pre-awareness is very interesting uh, I, I like to think about that as almost warming up the accounts stage uh, when you know the list of accounts as, as you said most companies should know uh, the right, right list of accounts to go after marketing and sales have to work together to warm up those accounts and what i mean by that is if you are a salesperson who's calling into an account cold where they have never heard from you because either they have never heard about your brand your brand is too small or it's a niche whatever it might be the stacks are you know against you so if 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 the odds are stacked against you then how do you make sure that you're conversation with that person or that company starts in a point where they want to hear from you. And I learned that at Salesforce, the best part was when a sales rep from a sales uh, force called, everybody would pick up the phone. The salespeople never had an issue of somebody not picking up the phone. So I think the problem, they knew that that. the brand flow demand. So, so I feel like that's what I when when you say pre-targeting or pre-awareness, I'll think about is warming up and saying, how do we warm up these accounts that our sales reps are going to go after so that they know and the people in that organization that need to make that decision or influence know about that account. We need to do a brand awareness exercise around that where they know who we are and what we do. We're not asking them to all download ebooks or they just want to know our brand. And that's where uh, a lot of Terminus customers use, you know, the Terminus platform is the awareness. And I feel it is such a key part of the whole program.
1: Yeah, that's excellent. So Let's jump into that a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about some of the marketing tactics that you might execute to go after people in this pre-awareness stage. So you can, you can talk about some of what terminus is do, terminus does to serve up some ads, but what other kinds of things can we kind of wrap around that to make sure that these people are warmed up to us when we do finally reach out to them?
0: Yeah, I, I look at it as a perfect combination of high tech and high touch. Um, and that combination really creates the right kind of, conversations, I believe in most organizations. So by high tech, meaning you could do digital advertising through a platform like Terminus where you can just give us the accounts and the, ad, the message and we'll get in front of all the decision makers proactively. Or you could run LinkedIn ads or Facebook ads and, and just make sure that the right people are aware of your, your stuff. Or you could do a whole bunch of email programs as long as you know and have opt-in permissions from those accounts. If those are all the things you're doing, you're doing high tech. And I think most organizations stop at that. Even using Terminus, they stop at that. And, and I say this all the time. If you use Terminus, you're not doing account-based marketing. If that's all you're doing, that's part of the whole thing. It's not the thing yet. So beyond high tech, I think the part that people are starting to leverage a lot more, and we see a lot of our customers do that, is high touch which means it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to send a hammock or you need to send a wine bottle and you need to send like expensive gifts to everybody like things like handwritten notes um or things like you know making sure that you know that there is a a book that that company has been reading or talking about or whatever and you send them a book uh with highlighted i've got that several times where i would get a copy of a book with highlighted saying hey i highlighted this part because i think it's it's interesting for your organization so a combination of this high tech and high touch, when done right, um, along with like you know, and even in high tech, you can think about uh, what we do a lot of is videos through video art platform. Um, so, so if you combine the best of high tech and high touch, whatever you're comfortable with and your target audience will accept, it creates an incredibly strong presence in the mind of your future customers. And and I don't like to call them prospects; I just call them future customers. It creates a perception that. This brand, your brand, whatever it is, is bigger than than what they thought because they see you in almost every way possible online and offline. And I think that's a very big part of it.
1: Yeah, I really like the idea of combining a bunch of different things. I think that there's a lot of one plus one equals three when it comes to marketing. And you're you're giving some really good examples. We do something similar. And to your point, like we will send a dollar and nineteen cent jar of marshmallow fluff to our prospects with the message, this is the last fluff you're gonna get from us (laughs) if we're the no fluff marketing agency, right? And it it works beautifully. And look, look, we're a marketing firm, so we do it really well. It has like a pre-signed NDA in there and like the, the box is well designed, but talking about very low investment to really kind of cut through the clutter and get their attention. And that's another thing that I think I see kind of missing or broken in a lot of this execution is these companies don't have the right message you, you have to disrupt these these people because they're in a status quo and they're comfortable and they're not really looking for your solution so you have to give them a good reason to, to, to get their attention and to hold on to it and, and you have seen them probably just as much as I do these horrible emails from people who don't really give me a good reason to want to talk to them but they're asking for me to book a meeting or they need five minutes to talk to me about something or they want to show me their demo and they haven't spent any time coming up with a compelling story that would make me want to pause and say, wait a minute, like I, I should look at this demo because if I don't, I might be missing something. So again, like that's a piece of the puzzle that I think is missing more times than not. Would you agree with that?
0: Thousand percent, man. I think that the part where we're always, and I was smiling as you were talking about this is because it's 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 easier said than done, right? You know, let, let's also be be very open about it. I feel like you know, we talked about marketers having their challenges. We also say that sales. Oh my goodness, SDR job is one of the hardest jobs in in the B2B Martech, in in my opinion, because they they have to have 90 rejections, like for every five or ten, you know, positive response or even a heartbeat to find. But it all it's because it's a, they're trying to play a lot of times a numbers game, which is really really right. hard, close to what what we we're talking about, at ABM. But you also made me think about this this idea of well, what are we measuring, right? Like, I feel like you brought up this point of engagement and I 100% wholehearted degree, and I'm on a crusade to get people to start thinking about this, which is uh, engagement is truly the new measurement. And it might sound fluffy to think like, well, how do we measure engagement, right? But, but the reality is this, like, you know, you're going to spend significant more time with people and in people in personal life that you care about and you want to have a relationship with. Might be a friend, might be a spouse, kids, family, all those things, right? Even coworkers, even in a, in a company, you're probably spending more time with the people you like versus people you don't like in the company. And that, that happens all the time. So engagement or measuring people's engagement level is a very important part of what I think marketing and sales can bring to the table. So I remember this exercise where We would look at, when I was at Pardot, we would look at the last 10 deals closed and we would go back and find which companies actually had the most engagement. And we would see that, well, off all the 10 deals closed, 10 deals lost, Every time, every single deal that we lost, we saw the level of engagement drop like a cliff, and the peop- and the deals that we closed, the engagement level went up on the website, on the product pages, and the content pages, and the number of people engaging from that company. So, to me, you can truly measure engagement on the right levels, and in an account-based view, I feel like engagement is truly uh, the new measurement.
1: Yeah, I, I agree completely. So, you have this concept of flip my funnel. So, let's talk about that a little bit, because it's interesting obviously we're proponents of smashing the funnel but i understand that you're really trying to get people to think differently about the funnel too and apply this kind of tiered approach to to attracting attention for their businesses so help our listeners understand your flip my funnel strategy that that works with your product or your company
0: absolutely so flip my funnel if you have never heard about it it's a it's a standalone website you can go to flipmyfunnel.com it's a 100% community focused Kind of place we do this conference every year now. We're doing in August eighth in Boston, uh, and it's it's people are just spend writing about how op, how do they operationalize ABM. It's all focused on it. And the way I came about with that concept three years ago was I was looking at this funnel and the traditional funnel is, and I love the fact that you said like, well, the gravity is you know it's not not helping, and it's so true. And, and I, I was sitting in a middle seat between two drunk people on a flight from San Francisco to Atlanta. And, nice. Yeah, that was not, not fun. So I had a piece of napkin and I was drawing this traditional funnel and I just flipped it out of curiosity and I started to come up with these stages and it ended up being, by the time I landed, I wrote a blog, then we did an event and it became a community and all that. But in general, it literally came as like, what if the way we're thinking about B2B marketing and sales is is not the right way? And, And it turned out that it was, there is a better way. So the whole flip funnel is very simply and very quickly. It is identify, expand, engage, advocate, and measurement. Those are the five stages of the flip funnel and you can look at it as a triangle, right? So identify, meaning you need to know who you're going after expansion, which I think was the biggest missing piece uh, in the marketing automation world. We only focused on one person. whereas expansion really means we need to get in front of all the people that are influencing the deal. That's what ABM is truly, truly at the core that we need to focus on engagement, which means we got to engage people on their terms advocacy is like even if they don't become your customers today they will be an advocate of you because you're doing such a good job of marketing and sales and personalizing so advocacy and then obviously measuring success where we think engagement is the right way to measure now this is again a, a a vision and a way i and the community started to believe is a better way to think about doing B marketing i'm not saying this is how term is we, we don't do every single thing we partner up on the identify side with EverString and Bambara um, and then obviously expand and engage. We do that, but we also have partnership with Vidyard and others. So, and then we have BrightFunnel to measure success. So we have all these different things, but the point that I always love to to make sure I'm very clear, flip my Funnel is not a terminus strategy. I think flip my funnel is a way of thinking about marketing and sales so differently that will allow you to connect with your sales team as one team and drive revenue.
1: Yeah. And it really, it's interesting. It really is not, analogous to the old sales funnel. It's more like a methodology diagram that you've created to help people understand a more comprehensive way to kind of execute these type of tactics. So it it might look like an upside down funnel, but it really doesn't carry a lot of the same concepts that the traditional sales funnel does.
0: Absolutely. I think it really allows you to think about it differently. It's like, what if you're not focused on everybody in the world, and you're focused on only the people you need to reach out to? Wouldn't your messaging be better. Wouldn't your amount of time you will be spending on crappy leads be less? Wouldn't your quality of conversations be better? So all those things is is really what the flip funnel uh, and flip funnel movement is supposed to do.
1: Good. Let's talk about execution a little bit. So do you buy into this idea that at the top you have your you know like your best opportunities? Maybe there's I don't know fifty or so, and maybe there's five or six people at each company. So you have your two hundred or three hundred target people that you're going after and you have a certain set of programs or tactics for that, those like high value people. And then in your second tier, maybe you have a wider swatch with more companies and more people, but maybe they're slightly less valuable to you and you have different set of tactics that go to them. And then your third tier, you might have an even wider collection of targets and they're even lower value. So you have different tactics and programs to them. Do you buy into that ABM approach?
0: Well, so so here there, I too, partially yes and partially no. Um, partially yes because yes, from a if you're doing if you're only focused on demand generation as part of marketing's job, then tiering the accounts and making sure you know which type of accounts are in which tier so that you can. Uh, personalize those conversations and engagement points makes perfect sense and and i absolutely subscribe to the idea of tiering the accounts and making sure you you know what you're doing with which accounts so you know what the roi might look like on those accounts for example if you are if you're going after a you know, if you if you have a transactional deals, which means your deals are smaller, like you know 5k or 10k, uh, you know it doesn't make sense for you to send them like a, an expensive direct mail, right? That is twice the price of the product. So depend. But if you're selling to million dollar deals, like a lot of our customers do, like they're doing all kinds of uh, high tech and high touch engagement points. So it, it really depends. That's why tiering is so important uh, based on where you are. But the the where I do not or don't agree, rather want to challenge everybody to think about is that since ABM is a strategy, if you all believe that, since it's not just like marketing automation, marketer going to a corner and writing emails, it is actually a strategy and it fundamentally changes the way an organization not just marketing, an organization reports and functions at a high performing team from a growth mindset where where sales and marketing are one team, the CFO, CEO all agree that we need to focus on these target accounts. It's so much visibility there, then I feel like it really, marketing now has the opportunity to take that strategy and saying that look, we can increase the velocity of the deals because just like tiered accounts, we know which opportunities are sitting. In the, in the funnel, so we can now, marketing can give air cover to the sales team to expand the reach within those accounts. We can, as a marketing team, truly work on upsell and cross sell. I like to call it upserving these accounts because we know which these customers are and we see a ton of our customers running uh, upsell and cross sell accounts uh, through account based marketing approaches. So the approach is very similar. I think marketing does get a ton of opportunity now to say that look, the color of the money is still green and we can truly drive revenue for the organizations and give you air cover across the board. And that's where I disagree where, where a lot of times I think people are still looking at ABM as a tiered demand gen approach. And, and I believe that marketing could be much bigger than that. And it's not in theory anymore. It actually is in practice.
1: Yeah, I actually hate all the labels we've saddled ourselves with, you know, ABM, demand gen, inbound. I mean, does, it really, does anyone really even know what any of those mean? And are any of those definitions even relevant? I mean, isn't it all about creating this amazing experience for our prospects so they feel safe? with our companies and then we give them the education they need to make a good purchase decision and it's all kind of in there somewhere it doesn't need a a fancy label all the time to to categorize that we we, sometimes i don't think as marketers we can get out of our own way i mean it's just making it super complicated for people to kind of understand what they need to do to get these people engaged so that was a that was a really great uh, description so we talked about strategy we talked about tactics The other thing, the two other areas that I want to focus the podcast around is metrics and technology. And you talked a little bit about this engagement metric. So give us a little more talk on the engagement metric, how we would track that. And and if there's other metrics that you think are important in this this pre-awareness stage, let's let's talk about that a little bit too.
0: Sure. So from an engagement perspective, I feel like it's such a different muscle in the body that I think marketers are going to require to flex it's so easy to go after all the vanity metrics that we all have subscribed to for years. And there are blogs and benchmarking reports and theses around it. And as a matter of fact, now being a co-founder, I've realized that the VC community has subscribed to it. So the VC, when they evaluate any organization, they look at the same metrics. So no wonder marketers are continuing to focus on the same things that the VC, the CFO, the CEO, everybody, because we just don't know a better alternative so when we come and say hey engagement is the new measurement it throws all these people you know kind of out of whack it's like wait a minute it doesn't fit in our excel spreadsheet model of growing and scaling a company and and i think it's going to require a really important muscle of your body that you probably have never used to say that no no, no. engaging in the right accounts knowing the level of engagement by itself is going to give us almost a silver bullet if, if there was one in knowing the propensity of certain companies certain accounts certain people to buy from us versus not in other words you could prioritize marketing for the very first time can help sales prioritize which accounts they truly need to focus on so in your case on pre-awareness so that's the topic let's say you have 50 accounts that your sales team is focused on trying to penetrate and if marketing can come to them and say that hey Joe and Jill, you guys are focusing on these 50 accounts, but let me tell you, only 10 of these accounts have high level of engagement, which means 10 of these accounts are, have two or three people coming from their website, uh, to coming to our website, spending time. Three, uh, they, they are actually engaging with it at a much higher rate than others. And they actually have taken, done some activity, like read some blogs or attended a webinar or downloaded something, like, some stuff like that, right? And, and here's how much you spend on this one imagine a salesperson at that point is saying, okay, great. So now I know that I need to focus on these 10 accounts from an awareness, taking them to the next stage because I know there is engagement versus the other 40. And that Mike, I would love to get your thoughts on it. I don't think has happened in the history of marketing where it was always an alert from marketing automation platform saying, Hey, somebody your ebook, but nobody actually gave the sales team saying off the 50 accounts, here are the 10 accounts that have, amazing engagement that you need to focus on.
1: Yeah, no, I love that idea. And I think we probably would need to give the sales team some some tools and some playbooks so that they don't start kind of stepping all over this poor prospect who, you know, still could be early in their buyer journey, right? We don't want them pushing appointments, pushing proposals, pushing pricing when, you know, they, yes, they're engaged and we have data to show them engaged, but they're still early in their own educational process. So the sales team has to kind of understand maybe what that engagement is telling them it, it can't simply be amount of engagement right you have to understand where they are and what they're downloading and, and where they might be in that buyer journey and then deal with them accordingly so I, I, I agree with you completely let me just ask you a quick question about engagement is it is it generally about the amount of engagement like you know the more pages I visit the more stuff I download or or are there certain activities i might do that that show a higher value like is it is it better for for you if i attend a webinar versus just read a blog article
0: man i i that that's a topic in it itself but i'll keep it short uh, given the time constraint here is i think the lead scoring process has been that I, as in marketing automation you know was one of the creators of those kind of things is like broken beyond craziness because i've seen marketers spend hundreds of hours trying to score every single blog article, every single content piece, and it's it's honestly BS because there's just so much content, and the reality is not every person is gonna read all the content. But what's important from an engagement perspective is, are the right accounts that I'm focusing on going to product pages, or pricing pages, or some of the key pages that you want, which means you literally don't need to score the website. You don't really need to do that anymore. You need to just score the key pages on your website and that's it. So to me, the account-based engagement model that I see in the future people subscribing to um, that, that I would love to see give, getting created is, oh, here are the five high value pages that I have. Pricing, uh, product pages, how to demo works, the functionality, and that's it. That, if I see search on those, or from my key accounts on those pages, that's like a flashing red alert that building should have so people know that you need to go after that account. If it's on the blog, to your point, you don't need to just go and start talking to someone just because they downloaded an ebook or went to the blog or did a webinar. I think that's where salespeople and marketing people got the bad rep because we went over about any and everybody who had a heartbeat as opposed to people who genuinely wanted to talk to you.
1: Yeah, that, that's excellent. Excellent advice. Sangram, thank you so much. You've been an amazing interview, and I love your perspective on marketing. I hope you and I can hook up again and continue this conversation. I think there's a lot of similar thinkings about what's right and and wrong with our industry here, so I really appreciate you joining. Um, In this episode, we talked about the pre-awareness stage and specifically a lot about account-based marketing. In our next episode, we're going to talk about the awareness stage, and our guest is going to be Franco Valentino. He's the CEO of Narrative SEO. And Franco's going to give us the bad news about what Google's done to make it even more difficult for us to get found. But the good news is he's going to help us kind of clarify what we need to improve our get found strategy immediately and make sure that our clients and their prospects can still find us some search. You won't want to miss it. So Sangram, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining us.
0: Uh, It was a blast, man. We can go on this forever. So let me know when you want to do next.
1: No problem. Thank you so much. And everybody, thanks for joining episode two. Look forward to episode three and let's go smash your funnel. Thank you for joining.